I'm a fan of Gideon. Anyone in here like Gideon? He is just, you want to know, you want to know what I like about Gideon? Uh, well, I should say, I shouldn't say I like about Gideon because this is going to come off bad if I say I like. You want to know what makes me connect with Gideon? He looked at himself in the mirror and wasn't that impressed. You know what I mean? Anyone else feel that? I look at, I look at myself in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, Lord, this was what, this was what you could do? <laughs> you know, uh, I couldn't be like six, three. How about five, ten and a half? You know, average everything. Average shirt size, average pants size. The benefits of that, however, is goodwill is easy for me to go to <laughs> because, because everything fits, you know what I mean? Uh, but I like Gideon. Today we're going to dive in and look at a little bit of what it took to be qualified for Gideon's army. Um, before we do that, though, do you, do you guys, I say this often because I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget that God didn't just take spare parts and put us together. He didn't pull out the box and be like, oh, I've got an arm left here and I've got legs left here and it's like whip something together. I'm a fan of doing that at my house, taking the spare stuff I have and using it in a purposeful way, uh, just like a rope. When I see that, I'm like, praise the Lord, taking some rope. Uh, that's not what God did. When God created me and when God created you, it says that he knit us together wonderfully well. Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about the fact that he made it with a purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you future and a hope. Ephesians 2, 10 says basically the same thing. It says, For we are his workmanship. Everyone say workmanship. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The idea is this. When God was knitting us together, when God was fashioning us, he's, he was thinking of specific things that he had that only you could do. And only I could do. So he puts us all together and he gives us this plan. The problem is sometimes we don't begin to walk in that plan. Check out the story of Gideon. So you got the Midianites coming against Israel. They're ravaging the land. And it's, it's, it says, this is in Judges chapter 6, by the way. Uh, homework moment, read Judges 6 and 7. It will blow your mind if you've never done it. But Israel is in a moment where they're being oppressed because they've walked away from the Lord. Midianites are coming in. Anytime it says that they would plant their crops, the Midianites would come in with their cattle eat and destroy everything, leave them with nothing, and then leave. They tried again, it happened again, and it just was this cycle of, of destruction again and again and again at the hands of the Midianites. So in Judges 6, 11, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, and his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in a wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. See, so you have this moment where the angel is showing up to Gideon, and Gideon is in a wine press, hidden, beating out wheat. The problem is to, to do wheat properly, you need to beat it where there's wind blowing so that the wind will carry away what you don't want, leaving only what you want. So Gideon's trying to... to uh, Trying to live a, trying, trying to get this taken care of in a place where it's not working real well. And this angel shows up. It says, The angel appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. 
Hold up for a second. You got to pause here because you got to think, well, Gideon's not acting like a valiant warrior. He's acting afraid and timid and fearful. So Gideon's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You got the wrong guy. I can't do this. In Judges, uh, in, in verse 15 of chapter six, it says, but he said, that's Gideon, oh Lord, how am I to save Israel? Because the angel is calling him to save Israel. He says, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is least in Manasseh and I am the youngest to my father's house. So Gideon's just like, have you seen me in the mirror? Because I've seen me in the mirror. So God has called Gideon, Gideon saying, no, I can't do that. Gideon begins to put out a, a fleece because he's like, okay, okay, God, if you're really calling me this, calling me to this, I just need to know really well that this is you calling me and not me just thinking this up myself. The angel showed up, but I guess that wasn't enough. The angel also put out consu like consumed food on a rock. Gideon like put some food and stuff on a rock and the angel taps it with a stick and it just bursts up in flames. And apparently that's not enough of a sign for Gideon. So Gideon's still walking this out and Gideon wants to put out a, to, to just check and make sure. So then in Judges chapter six, verse 39 and 40, it says, then Gideon said to God, do not let your anger burn against me so that I may speak only one more time. Please let me put you to the test only one more time with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece. Uh, sorry, this is the second time he did this, but let it be dry only on the fleece and let the dew on the ground, the ground be wet. And God did so that night for it was dry, the fleece was dry and the ground was wet. So Gideon goes through this whole moment where he's just testing God and he's like, okay, God is... God, okay, you're calling me to this, this conquest of taking on the Midianites. And he, he, he's like, okay, God's, God's confirmed it with a couple things. He did the fleece thing and the wet and the dry and got all that done. And then Gideon's getting ready to go and 32,000 men show up. That's a lot of men. Nothing in comparison to how many Midianites there are, hundreds of thousands of Midianites, but He's got 32,000. So Gideon's like, hey, I got this. I, I'm good. I'm good. So what I want to go through now is the qualifications that Gideon, that God set for Gideon for men to be able to be with him. Because these men have a calling on their life. The question is, are they willing to step into it? Are they, are they going to follow through with the calling of taking on the Midianites? So the first point, if you're taking notes, the first qualification is willing to engage. We need to be willing to engage in the battle. Check out Judges chapter seven, verse two. Highlighting the fact that people that showed up and said, the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you. So the first qualification is they are with Gideon. They showed up, they stepped up and they said, I'm willing to take on this. Men, in our life, we need to be willing to step up and engage in what God is calling us to do. Yeah, he's created us for a purpose, but so many men miss it because they're not willing to step up. There's a battle for you. God has a plan for you. We need to be willing to step it up. Just like in Psalms 139, it said, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We need to be willing to step up. God does not take it lightly when we know what we need to do and choose not to do it. 
There's often this saying, of, there's a sin of commission, meaning you actively do something that's against what the Lord has told you to do. But there's also the sin of omission, meaning that you choose not to do what he's calling you to. So many men miss their calling in life because they're not simply willing to engage in, what, in the battle that God has for them. Man, we're, we're in a battle. This is a crazy time in the world. Flip on the news for five minutes and you'll see the battle that we're in. As Christians, we need to be willing to step into it. James 4.17. Therefore, to know one, uh, sorry, therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. God literally calls it sin when we choose not to do what he's calling us to do. When we know the right thing to do and we choose not to do it. So we need to be willing to engage. That's the first, the first one. The second one is this. We need to not be controlled by fear. So the first thing God did when Judges chapter 7 verse 2 was it said, The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into your hands. For Israel would become boastful saying, My own power has delivered me. The, verse, the next verse, Judges chapter 7 verse 3 says, Now therefore come. Proclaim in the hearing of the people, the guys that are with you, saying, whoever is afraid and worried is to return and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 from the people returned, but 10,000 remained. 22,000 men were operating out of a spirit of fear and said, peace, I'm out. We need to not let fear control us. Fear is not, fear, fear is the number one people, the reason people choose passivity because they're afraid to engage in the battle. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Let's, let's sit on that one for a second. God has not given us a spirit of fear. If we are operating in a spirit of fear, what the Bible's saying is it didn't come from God. Because God doesn't operate with fear. We need to choose to not let fear control us. Fear is simply the opposite of faith. If you look at a Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Fear is the opposite of that. Fear is the confidence in what we dread and the belief about what we do not see that's negative. We could choose to either operate in faith or in fear. Franklin Franklin D. Roosevelt said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. We need to choose courage. It's not that we might, ex we might not experience fear, but we don't let fear be the controlling force in our life. We say, you wanna know it? I recognize that this is something that might bring harm or danger, but, I'm, but I recognize more importantly that there's something greater than that, and I choose to operate in that. So the first, the first one was we choose to engage. We're willing to engage. The second one is we don't let fear control us because fear is a bad motivation. 
yet it grips so many of us. If you continue the story in Judges chapter 6 and 7, sorry, in Judges chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, it says 300 men drank from cupped hands. The guys were thirsty. They go down to the water. It says 300 of them drank with cupped hands and brought the water up to their mouth of the 10,300. So you got 9,700 that put their heads down in the water. It says, uh, it says all the rest got down on their knees to drink. So they got down and they buried their heads in the water. This is what God says. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will save you with the 300 that brought the water up in their hands and will hand the Midianites over to you. So have all the other people go, each man to his home. So the third point is this. If the first one is willing to engage and the second one is don't let fear grip you or don't let fear control you, the third one is they're watchful. <clears throat> God took 30,000 men that showed up and brought it down to 300 with two, two things. If you're fearful, go home. And if you're putting your head in the water, go home. Fear controls a lot of men. A lot of other men get taken out because they're not watchful in their lives. Do you know how many men get taken out by simply compromise? Pastor Daniel Vanderklok sitting in the front row right here. I've worked with him for a long time. I remember when he taught on compromise, compromise is small steps in a negative direction. That was like, bro, that was like 16 years ago you did that message to the youth. I remember that. Compromise is small steps, right? Small steps. How many men do you think wake up in the morning and think, you wanna know, I'm gonna go out, have an affair, completely destroy my marriage, lose my job, and my entire life and let everything go. I don't think many men wake up and do that. Yes, so many men have that happen because they have a small compromise and they have a small compromise and they have a small compromise. And then one day they find themselves in a place where they said themselves, I would never do that. There's, there's, there's men all over the world that have said, I will never cheat on my wife. Yet, They've, che they've, they've cheated on their wife. Because they're not watchful. Because they're burying their heads. Uh, this morning I was talking to, with the leadership guys here about like an ostrich, you know, buries its head in the sand. So many men are losing it in life and not stepping up into what God has for them because they're so oblivious to what's going on around them because they have their head buried in the sand and not keeping watchful on what's going on. So many men have lost it financially because they're not focused on keep doing things God's biblical way. They're doing it kind of happenstance, whatever happens, happens. And all of a sudden they find themselves financially in a place they never thought they would be. So God looked at the guys that were with Gideon and said, if they're not keeping their eyes on what needs to be, where they need to keep their eyes, if they're not looking around them and being watchful, just tell them to go home because they're not gonna help you. So they go home. So Gideon's left with 300 guys. We need to live a life of, uh, of being watchful. We should not live a life of willingful blindness. We should not live a life of compromise. First Corinthians 
16, verses 13 and 14. It says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. All that you do must be done in love. I can imagine that defines the men that were with Gideon. They were alert. They stood firm in the faith. They acted like men. They were strong. And everything they did was done in love. Gideon takes these 300 men, and with God on their side, they defeat all of the Midianites. Destroy them all. Midianites, gone. Because men were willing to engage, didn't let fear stop them, and they kept their eyes up. They were watchful. Men, we need to do the same things. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go into some table discussion time. Uh, I've got three questions for you. I'm going to read them all, and then we'll go into talk about this at your table. The first one is this. Think of an example of someone not being willing to step up. What was the reason? Think of an example. This is the first one, right? First one is being willing to engage. Think of an example of someone not being willing to step up. This could be in real life, or this could be a biblical example. What was the reason they weren't willing? Second one. How does or can fear hold us back from what God is calling us to? Third one, what compromises are lurking in the darkness for men today? I'm going to pray and then we're going to go into some table discussion at our tables. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that as we dive more and deeper into this story of Gideon and his men and the, what, it take, what it took for them to be qualified, Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll help build us up and encourage us. Let us be strengthened. And Father, I'm going to just pray this right now, Lord. If we've been unwilling to engage, Father, if we've been operating out of a spirit of fear, or Father, if we've been being distracted or letting compromise in, Lord, I pray victory in those areas, Lord. We we right now, we repent of those and we thank you, Lord, that you are a God that can redeem what the locusts have eaten. So we just claim that right now in Jesus' name and help us to be willing to engage, to be men of faith, not fear. And Father, help us to be watchful, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for this amazing conversation as we step into this at our table time. In Jesus' name, amen.